If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 340 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Margot Robbie of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald, as uh, we talk about next week in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, no uh, MMA this weekend, uh, so we're going to preview the, the couple of cards next week, and they're, they're pretty good, to be honest, two, two good main events anyway, and some good stuff under it as well. So a little bit of a shorter podcast this week, um, and I put out a little bit earlier for everyone. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, first thing on Monday morning, uh, I will have a Q&A out of myself and uh, Harry Powell is going to join me in the Q&A this week. So we, uh, we are going to talk about a, a lot of different things uh, and a few questions that come in from Thomas Slaney after one of our Speaker's Corners episodes. So uh, check that out on Monday morning. If you haven't signed up to Patreon yet, it'll be a great time Does Speaker's Corners uh, podcasts are absolutely fantastic, uh, even if I do say so myself, and the podcast as well with Ian uh, talking about, uh, you know, talking about contenders and stuff are, are really fun. And Graham, your uh, Andy Andy Ryan um, interviews coming up, but you had one with... Um, you had one with John Kavanagh, you have one with Chris Fields, Kyle Pendred and all. So there's loads of stuff over on the Patreon to sign up now. And while you're there as well, while you're on the internet, head on over to, to Manscaped. Um, Black Friday sales are still on and Cyber Monday is coming up on Monday. So it's it's the holiday season now and it's the perfect time uh, for uh, to head on over to Manscaped. Um, to, it's the gift that keeps on trimming. Santa's beard is so appealing when it's coming out of his trousers, but the leaders with Manscaped will get you covered join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped uh, to keep their trees trims and their ornaments polished go to manscaped.com and use the code, promo code severe mma to get 20 percent off and free shipping and i even think there's bigger promo codes on the uh, on the website at the moment so head on over there get as much as you can off um jingle balls to the walls fellas listen up it's time to kill two birds with one trimmer and get yourself the performance package four pint Oh, you get the lawnmower 4.0 in that. It's an electric trimmer with advanced skin safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuff. It's all nuff, nuffs, nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. It also, uh, in the performance package 4.0, you get the crop preserver and a crop reviver, which are anti chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner, which are absolutely uh, fantastic. Also, the boxer briefs are in that as well, which are. I know the lads over in our Patreon group, they absolutely swear by them. They are fantastic. Also, the Weed Whacker um, nose 
and ear hair trimmer is in that as well. That's also waterproof. 9,000 RPM motor power, 360 degree rotary dual blade system. Not even Santa's hair. Uh, not even Sa- nobody. Not even Santa wants hairs under his chimney. There you go. I got it out eventually. Manscaped is going beyond the grind with their new refined cologne, which offers a light yet masculine, um, pleasing fragrance that will leave your lady on the naughty list this year. Oh, uh, it's made with hypoallergen ingredients that are vegan, cruelty free, dye free and paraben free tis the season to load up on manscaped products so get yourself your dad your brother your friends the best gift of all the manscaped performance package 4.0 so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com clean up your nuts and make santa proud this holiday season Right, Grammy. How are how are things with you? Any any? I was just I was just thinking during that so many you yeah. should uh like take one of your serious judging debates or one of your <laughs> your Frankie Eggers should retire yeah. or one of them or, or Daniel Cormier rants and just mix in a few of those lines so, like <laughs> seamlessly. <laughs> Daniel Cormier is the worst commentator in the world. Brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> yeah, that that would be the way to do it. All right, but not even though your balls will thank you in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> or, or, Oh God! I you you can't be manscaped though, cause they're like they're they're great fun. They're they're a bit of crack, a bit of crack. Whoa! And uh, you know, it's I I think it's something everyone started doing back in the day. You know, back in my colleges, I wasn't heard of before that. But sure, look anyway. Um, let's let's get into some of these fights and let's talk a little bit about Jose Aldo versus Rob Font. Actually, I have a a bit of a podcast coming out on Over and Sherdog this week talking about Jose Aldo. Um. And myself and Ian were on about doing one as well, but maybe, maybe what this is, maybe, maybe we'd be better off doing it. But like, Joseph, you know, you mentioned Frankie Edgar there, and myself and Harry talked uh, about Frankie Edgar on Speaker's Corner last week. And, you know, after his last fight, we talked about it as well on the podcast, that the way he is kind of, he looked in that fight, and then we afterwards we heard he's like a hip replacement after the fight. It just feels like... Frank Yeager is old now, and let's fight. And it's not just Frank Yeager. Fighters get old, you know. It's happened to BJ Penn or Diego yeah. Sanchez. Damage though is a, is a big thing, you know. Like if you compare Aldo and and Edgar in terms of like time in the cage, Aldo might even have more time. But how much damage has he taken? How many head strikes has he taken compared to Edgar? Nowhere near as many. I, I'm not looking at the stats here or anything, but. You know, Aldo's still fighting at a very competitive level and still has a chance of, like, you know, competing for a title. I think Edgar's shown, like, through multiple title shots over multiple years and multiple weight classes that those days are done. So, yeah, I think it's a completely different situation, really. Yeah, and I think, you know, the odd one is Jose Aldo because we don't normally see this in MMA. We don't see MMA fighters who fought at the very top level. Um, you know, and, and like... Edgar's a perfect example because he fought at the very top level. He came back and he tried multiple times to get back to uh, to, to be a champion. Now, he didn't manage to get that, but he, he fought Aldo a few times. He fought Holloway, he fought for the title, you know, um, uh, and he failed. But it, it feels like it feels like there was a, a kind of a point where everyone kind of realized, well, that's kind of it for him. And I feel like Jose Aldo hasn't reached that point yet. Like, even though even though he, he lost to Yan, but he had, you know, obviously he lost to Holloway as well a couple of times, but I, I feel like after after his last win, people were still calling for him for, like, 
a, a fight like this, which we'll get to in a second against Rob Font, who is a top, you know, what is he, nine, five or six ranked fighter in, in the UFC at 135 to get him back towards, uh, um, you know, a title fight, which I, n- I don't necessarily agree with, not, and not in terms of his quality or ability. Like him versus Yan was a, a competitive fight for two or three rounds until Yan took over, which can happen in fights. But, you know, Aldo versus Sterling wouldn't be a guaranteed Sterling win, I don't think. You know, I'd probably pick Sterling at this stage, but, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a good fight. But th- the point remains like that. Uh, are you choosing what, who would you like to see Aldo fight next? Let's say if it's Dominic Cruz or someone like that. It's based on you wanting maybe Aldo to have fun fights rather than go back into those competitive fights. I don't think there's, like, I don't think he's necessarily out of those competitive fights or no longer able to have those high-level competitive fights. And we'll see it next weekend, you know, when he fights Rob Font. Because Rob Font, as I mentioned, is, is right up there. Um, So, like... Ha- I don't think Aldo has had like this huge degradation in his ability over the last few years. I think he's still a really, really good fighter, as good as he was. And I mentioned in the podcast that that'll be coming up, and I'm actually interested to get your take on it because it's something that kind of just came into my head. But I feel like Aldo's style is something which has lasted the test of time. Now, okay, he's been beating my McGregor and beaten by Holloway and the very, very top. But I feel like some fighters who are at the top, say like a Rousey or even Ian Jacek to a certain extent, who are dominant, people figure out their style and they can beat it. Uh, not not really easily, but if you're a top-level fighter, you can beat it. Whereas Aldo, I, I think it's only the very, very, very top-level fighters that are beating his style. His style is still good enough to beat the likes of Munoz and Jeremy Stevens and, the guy, you know, Chad Mendes and the guys who are... Who are Top five ranked fighters, you know. Um, what what have you? What do you? What do you yeah, think well, about his style? I think his style is his technique is so refined. But I think over the years he has changed his style. You know, he was much more um, leg kick heavy back in the back in the WEC days. He he, he used to use a lot of leg kicks, and um, he also you kind of uh, has picked up kind of. Um, how quickly he, he kind of gets into the fight. There was a stage years ago where in the first round, he'd kind of try to figure you out. He, he still does that a little bit and not to the same extent. So he has evolved a little bit, but I would agree that in in general, his style is, is very similar to how it was before. I think it's the fact that he's he's so well-rounded all around, but he's also so proficient and um, comfortable in his style. And he's, he's um, you know, patient. He's, he, he does... He, He's just so well versed in what he does that he 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 kind of does the the Muay Thai striking uh, aspect of thing aspect of the game better than anybody else, and you know it's a, it's a testament to him that he's still you know in these fights in in a five round main event against Rob Font, who's ranked in, in the top five. You know, uh, we've seen guys that are around for as long as Aldo are, as you mentioned. You know, calling for them to retire, but I like. Although if he if he goes on to beat Rob Font and you know goes in against you you meant you mentioned Aldermaine Sterling or he goes in there against Peter Yan again or Sandhagen, you know he can win those he can win those fights just because like everybody like they can study him they've seen him for years they know what he's going to do they know his style but even still he's so proficient at it that that it's very hard to beat and if you are going to beat Aldo you're probably going to beat him in a really close fight so. Yeah, I think he's still a really difficult matchup for everybody, and that's a testament, I think, to how how uh, well he or how um, proficient he is at at his yeah. uh, game. You mentioned an awful lot too, like that MMA has passed people by. You even, I think, you said about Misha Tate last week and other people, and even fighters who are 
you know, Misha Tate was a champion, but she wasn't, you know, she was only a champion for, for one fight, but certain fighters are champions for a long time and they kind of get yeah, over. And a lot of the Muay Thai guys, a lot of the Muay Thai striking guys have been kind of yeah. passed by, but Aldo's, he's just such a master at it that even, even though you know what he's trying to do and there's loads of tape on what he does, it's still extremely difficult to, uh, to actually do what you want to do to Aldo and he seems to kind of figure people out. That's another big thing is fight IQ, his ability to kind of figure out what's going on and get tells and get reads is, is you know, up there with the best. Yeah, 100%. So he's fighting Rob Font this week and I watched uh, a, a, a nice bit of Rob Font coming in here and I think the difference between Aldo and Font is that Font is a much more boxing-orientated fighter. Now he can fight everywhere, you know, he's good on the ground and has good takedowns and things, but I, I would be surprised if this wasn't a stand-up fight, to be honest. Um, the one thing I think Font has over Aldo is maybe that speed of boxing. Aldo's always been very, very fast, but I think there's that's the one kind of degradation maybe I've seen in Aldo's game over the over the years, and it would have to be when you move from 145 to 135. There's definitely going to be a bigger speed differential, you know, whether you lose a bit of natural speed, but also the natural speed um, difference between a... 45er who's a big 45er or was at least at one stage in the MMA game and uh, 135 pounders um, and to me Font with his hands anyway is one of the fastest uh, of those and it'll be interesting we, we, we'll we talk a little bit later about Haraguchi versus Pettis um, and I think there's a speed difference in that one but I feel like this is going to be a really really technical matchup early I would be very interested to see how quickly Rob Fon can settle. You mentioned Aldo settling, and I do think that Aldo will take his time to settle. But I think Font will try to come out. Um, he will try to come out and try to land his offense and try to do his best to land it. And that's that's great, but it's not always the best thing in the world you can do. Sometimes you're better when you settle into the fight. And you can you know you can land your your shots in maybe a more flowy way than a more like, you know, um, thought, thought about kind of, this one I'm going to do, this one I'm going to do, this one I'm going to do, whether, you know, it's better it just comes out naturally. And, you you know, and I think that might be the, the way that Rob Font wins this. But going in there fighting against Jose Aldo, it's not so easy to do that. This is a big name. Now he's fought, you know, big names before, like Garbrandt and Marais and, you know, even Sergio Perez, who we'll obviously we, I mentioned there. But Aldo is a little bit different. You know, Aldo is a, is a different name. Um... And it's it's a big big fight for Rob Font. You know, if he wins this, we, you know we talked about Aldo getting back into the title contention. But if Font wins this, he's absolutely in that title contention, and it'll be um, it, it'll be very interesting to see who's ne- who's next. Obviously, after the the uh, inter or the unification bout, if that does happen, what what do you think of Font, and what do you think of his uh, ability maybe against Aldo, and how do you think he'll uh, he get on the fight? Yeah, well, I, 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 like I've been impressed by him recently. Obviously, he has two very good wins in his last two fights against Marias and Garbrandt. Uh, you know, they're not to be sniffed at. But I think, you know, Aldo's been fighting high caliber guys for a lot of years and he's kind of seen it all before. And even if Rob Font is to come at him kind of hard and fast earlier, it's, it's nothing he hasn't seen before. You know, he's dealt with it nearly. Obviously, you mentioned the, the McGregor fight. That was obviously an anomaly in, in, uh, in Aldo's career. So I think I, uh, I I see Aldo edging out close rounds, maybe the first two or three, and then maybe taking over the fight from there, winning winning a, a late TKO or, or a fairly dominant decision. But uh, Font, you know, he could land a few punches and 
cause, cause some trouble for for Aldo early if if Aldo's not on on his on his game. But if he is, I think you know Aldo won't take too many risks earlier early on, and maybe you know this is a five round fight. He'll pace himself. He's been in a lot of five round fights over the years. So yeah, I think you know I looked at the the bookies during um, the bookies odds, and they have Aldo as the underdog. But I'd be pretty confident Aldo will will be able to you know at least edge out the rounds, if not finish off the the fight in the later rounds. Oh yeah, that's that's interesting. I I would I think I probably just go for Font, but I I think it'll be a close one. I do think it'll be five rounds as well. I think we could see a lot of rounds next week. <laughs> you know, I think there will be a. Uh, a lot of fights go to a go to a decision, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, it, it should be it should be fun. The co-main event in, I believe, according to topology here anyway, is uh, Rafael Fiziev versus or Rafael Fiziev even against Brad Riddell. You know, Fiziev is, is ten and one. He beat uh, Bobby Green. His last one, he beat Renato Maicano and um, uh, Mark Chikesi as well. So you know, he is he's really been one of the standout fighters. I think in the UFC, maybe. Post uh, lockdown, if you want to put it that way, a really, really good fighter in, in that lightweight division, and Brad Riddell as well has been another one. You know, he's ten and one too, a real standout. Beat Drew Dober, who was on a bit of a run uh, over the last while in his last um, in his last outing, and he's wins over the likes of Jamie Malarkey yeah. as well. So that's a good fight. Not really, yeah. yeah, not really the same level of competition or, or wins uh, yeah. recently as Fizikov, but you know he's gone out there and. Got got the got the decisions, so he's definitely a tough guy. But I, I think Fiziev, you know, he's he's very dangerous on the on the feet. He's he's well rounded. I think you know that win over Bobby Green was a very good win. Maybe it's a, an even better win than it looked at the time. You know, when we saw uh, what what uh, Bobby Green did to Ally Quinton in his next fight. So yeah, I I'd, I'd be pretty confident Fiziev will have enough here, but. You know, uh, he's still early in his career as well, so uh, you know he's still learning on uh, on on the go or on on the job. So yeah, he he hasn't really fought the the top guys either. So uh, whoever gets the win here will probably be destined for kind of a top fifth or a top ten guy. Uh, but I see Fizayev uh, having enough here and maybe maybe getting a TKO or a KO. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. I would fancy uh, a fancy Fizayev here. The rest of the card look. There isn't that much standing out in it. Alonzo Minifield is always fun. He's fighting uh, William Knight. That shouldn't be uh, a bad fight. Chris Curtis against Brendan Allen at 185. I know a lot of people... Always like a bit of Clay Guida as well. Yeah, Clay, yeah, we, yeah. Clay Guida is, is, always, uh, is always fun, obviously. A bit, <laughs> a bit of crack, indeed. He's fighting Leonardo, Leonardo Santos. Uh, Christian Puelles uh, fighting Chris Gritzmacher. Jimmy Crute and Jamal Hill. Now, that, to me, is the standout on the undercard I, I you know I was calling Jamal Hill the next champion at 205 pounds for his last fight and then Paul Craig had something to say about that you know Paul Craig often making the severe men podcast look stupid and he did it again in that one but that fight is a, a really really good fight you could say the same about uh, Zumagula versus uh, Manuel Cape I was actually watching Cape versus um, Haraguchi there yesterday to prepare for this and you know, he hasn't had the best time in the UFC. He's missed weight a few times. He needs to make weight here. I come in, but that that should be a you know a, a really really fun fight. We you know we see the Zamagulov having his last few uh, few fights in the UFC. Beat Jerome uh, Rivera last time after after two losses, but beat Ali Bagutinov and Tyson Am uh, outside of the UFC and Shad Jack as well, who we've seen in uh, in um, Cage Warriors and other places as well. So he's a a really, really good fighter. Uh, UFC Dublin headliner, 
Uh, Louis Smolka also the card against from Vince Morales Jake Matthews always interesting to see where Jake Matthews is in his career you know I think he's one of those lads where you're always hoping something will happen for him and he will take it to the next level but I- I'm uh, I'm not too sure if that's ever going to come Alex Morono and Mickey Gall that's a good fight as well I think you know that's uh, uh, one whoever will win that will kind of go to maybe the next level at 170 and maybe get towards the, the top 15 so that's a big big fight for both of them and me you know um, uh, Alex Morono has kind of turned into uh, the, the prospect killer a little bit <laughs> over, the, over the last while and he's beaten some very very good guys including you know Reese McKee so that's a, a fun fight as well Maki Patolo against Dusa Todorovic Philip Linz against Murakadov who's 10-0 and and um, Cheyenne Vismils against Mallory Martin. There's a lot of fucking fights in this card. How many fights is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 fights on it. Christ almighty, that's a lot of fights, lads. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be well prepared for that one anyway. We'll have the... Uh Get the cans of monster in and, and everything like that, and we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there is a one championship uh, fights as well this weekend, um, mostly kickboxing and things like that. But uh, Timothy uh, Natsukin, who we know fought uh, against uh, Eddie Alvarez, is on the card, and there's a couple more MMA fights as well. But I suppose the main fight this weekend uh, is on Bellator two seven two. Uh, and that's Sergio Pettis versus Kyoji Haraguchi. We'll get into that in a second. I'll run through some of the undercard first. Uh, Don Murray against uh, Ricardo Seas is a, is a pretty good fight. Oliver Inkamp, we know we've uh, a local European here for us. He is fighting against Kyle Crutchmere out of AKA. Um, that should be a good fight, I think. Uh, Kai Kamaka is on this card. Bobby King against Alexander Shabley, who had a good win in his last fight against uh, Alfie Davis. Uh, Mike Hamill is on the card. Josh Hill against Jared Scoggins. That should be a fun one. Yeah, um, that's a really good fight. <laughs> Jar- Jared Scoggins is a different Scoggins, though. That was a lad. That was the lad that Brian Moore was supposed to fight. It's not. It's not the other Scoggins. I made that mistake in my fucking preview that I've already. Uh, my, my bad. Yeah, I made the exact same mistake. So, um, uh, Johnny Elbin nine and all against uh, Colin Hookbody, uh, Davis and Wilson. Uh, I kind of heard that fight's not happening. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm breaking news here, but I heard that fight's not happening. But maybe we'll be, we'll see with that one. Uh, and then Emmanuel Sanchez versus Jeremy Kennedy as well. Two, probably two most experienced guys uh, on the card. Uh, but the main event, Sergio Pettis against uh, Kyoji Haraguchi. Uh, I, I'm going to talk a lot about this this week. So, Graham, I'll throw it over to you first. How do you see this fight? And what, what do you think of, of, uh, of Pettis's kind of, uh, uh, Rain as as champion and Haraguchi coming back trying to get his throne back again. Well, like in fairness, Sergio Pettis, I think it's been it's been a growing experience for him to leave the UFC and go to Bellator, and he looks a much more well rounded and accomplished fighter uh, since he's since he's got there, and obviously he's gone on to achieve you know gold there. And fair play to him, he looks he looks the the best he's ever looked. But you know, this is a really tough fight. Haraguchi obviously has kind of been. You know, over and risen for the last, I don't know how many years, about four years, five years, uh, since he left the UFC on a winning note. You know, he was on a three fight win streak. Chico Camus, Neil Siri, Bagatinov. And, you know, I haven't heard of all the guys on his record here, but you mentioned Cape. And, you know, uh, you look at the records, like Ian McCall is there as well. You look at the records of the people that he's beaten. Uh, 
that you haven't heard of that, and, and they have good records and Darian Caldwell ah, come ben on he's Nguyen. some good wins though yeah. Caldwell's a good yeah, player no, no you know I mean that's what I'm saying he, you know he beats he beats some some really good guys the, the best kind of guys that are available outside of the UFC and Bellator and even that are available in Bellator so he hasn't just been out in the cold fighting fighting nobodies you know uh, he obviously has uh, one loss in there as well which he avenged in the, with a first round knockout so he may have been off the radar in terms of kind of the mainstream MMA media uh, being not in the UFC or Bellator, but he's he's been very active. And I think this is a very difficult fight for Pettis. Uh, I think, you know, I'd probably go with Haraguchi in this one. Uh, Haraguchi's obviously a very powerful guy and very experienced guy. And, you know, Sergio Pettis, uh, as I said, is probably the best he's ever been. But I think he's still he's still evolving, still learning. He's, he's not so young now, but he's still 28. He's still... He still hasn't got the experience that Haraguchi has, and uh, I, I I see Haraguchi maybe getting a, a knockout here or, or winning a you know comfortable enough decision. Yeah, I I think it'll be a a longer fight to be honest. I I I would be surprised if it didn't go to a decision, but um I think it's a very very interesting fight. I think like having watched a bit of both of them uh, over the last couple of days, I think Pettis has really adjusted his game to be. Uh, more of a, a counter fighter over the last while where um but he's well to be his own fighter not to yeah. be like a I, tony pettis clone basically I, I don't think he is though he's very different to anthony pettis now because he fights in no, more at the start at the yeah, start at the when start he came he through was, he was yeah. kind of trying to be his brother and now he seems to kind of settled into his own yeah 100 uh, i couldn't have, couldn't agree more yeah and he's he he really has but like this kind of he's fighting more of an upright boxing stance where he does throw the inside leg kicks and the outside leg kicks as well. But I think for a guy who I, I don't think he's the fastest in the world, you know, fighting at 135 pounds, he fought down 125 pounds as well. But his timing, I think, is very good, and his ability to kind of let a guy come in and then hit him with a counter is 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 really really fantastic. And you know, like his brother, he can fight everywhere. I think throwing in a few takedowns against Haraguchi would probably be smart for Pettis as well, pushing it against the cage a little bit. But Haraguchi, look, Haraguchi will give uh, Pettis exactly what he wants. You know, he will attack him. He will come in with big shots and give him openings to dodge and counter. Now, whether he can dodge, if he can dodge and counter, Haraguchi's going to be in trouble. But if he can't, and if he eats a lot of those shots, I think, uh, you know, know, I think Haraguchi could be out to a winner. But I think... Look, both of these guys will have to adjust. I think if both come out and fight the game that they have been fighting over the last while, it uh, <laughs> there's dangers for both of them. So I think both of them will adjust and both of them will fight in a different way. You could see Haraguchi with a little bit maybe of um of a, of a less high pace in this fight, especially over five rounds against someone as good as Pettis. And I think you could see Pettis maybe not fighting too differently in terms of his stance and and the way he uh you know the, the way he fights normally. But I think. I think he will be less likely to throw those counters against someone like Haraguchi, who he knows will have a counter to his counter and is fast enough to land those as well. So it's, it's and a has stopping power as well. And has yeah, indeed a hundred percent. So it's uh it's a tough technical matchup for both of them. Like I, I, you could break down this fight as I've done kind of uh, briefly there, but I, I think we could get to this fight on Saturday night. Like it's it happens a lot of the time where we break it down and then both guys fight totally differently or one guy fights totally differently because of the matchup they're coming up against and that's you know that's good mixed martial arts that's good uh, uh, tactical and, and technical um, you know 
schooling and, and preparation for that game fight. planning game yeah. planning yeah 100% so uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing those game plans uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the fight as well I think Horiguchi has been injured as well for the last while and he's just coming back um, this is this is the toughest fight I think of Pettis's championship career obviously well, he only won the, won the last time up but the toughest fight of his Bellator career anyway and uh, it's, a, it's a very very interesting um, a very very interesting fight of Bellator's last fight of the year and it's to me we, we've been saying it a lot recently but I think this is one of the best fights that can be put on outside of the UFC you know we've another one coming up with, with uh, Kalidov and, and Saldic coming up at KSW in the uh, in the not too distant future uh, you know, we saw AJ McKee against Patricio and others as well. So there's some very, very good kind of non-UFC stuff going on at the moment. And this is another one. One thing I just, you know, I think could be better is the undercard here, especially if you have a fight as good as this. And I know it's tougher for Bellator to maybe put on good undercards, but I really do think they need to stack their top shows a little bit more. And this is their last show of the year. People would have been absolutely dying to get on this card just because it's before Christmas. You know, you can get your fight in. You can enjoy Christmas. You can have your bit of food and everything and then come back in, you know, March or April or whatever it might be. I'm, have a bit of extra cash in your, in your pocket for Christmas yeah, as well. exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm a bit surprised there's not a maybe another title fight even on this or, you know, an MVP fight or uh, something like that. But, you know... Uh, we we will see how it goes anyway. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to uh to that main event, and we'll talk about it more obviously next week. Um, one or two more things here. As I said, a little bit of a shorter podcast this week, but uh, Lee Hammond won last week, Graham, and we and it just happened a couple of hours even I think before we recorded the podcast the last time, but we didn't see the full video or anything until uh until the next day. So let's talk about yeah, it today. It was on tape, tape delay. Uh, we were we were all waiting to watch the stream and <laughs> yeah. got a message saying he's go he's walking out now. Yeah, he won. Yeah. Oh, he's won in the first <laughs> round. Ah, oh, fuck's sake. Just difficult, like fucking Bellator back in the day. What it was, but <laughs> a, a pretty impressive performance, wasn't it? I know you've known Lee for a good while. He's been around the jiu-jitsu scene and the amateur scene for years yeah. and years and years. Oh, I remember. I remember when Lee was was cleaning the gym in the Long Mile Road instead of you know to pay his pay his way. Uh, yes. when he was just starting, he uh, you know started as an amateur, had an extensive amateur career, was in no rush to turn pro, which I think is you know we talk about it all the time, which is great. You know he was a jiu-jitsu guy for 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 years. Uh, people were talking about him about him as a jiu-jitsu guy, but he's gone in there. You know he he landed like a, a spinning back fist. I think uh, knocking one of his fights, uh, but he maybe didn't. He had some fancy stuff, uh, some fancy striking, but didn't really have the basics uh, as as tuned as you'd like. So he, he stayed in the amateurs, which is really smart. Uh, you know, uh, ironed out kinks in his game, and now he can't, comes in his pro debut and gets gets the first round TKO. So it looks like he's he's made the right decision and turned pro at the, at the right time. So uh, yeah, fair play to Lee. It's it's great to see these guys. You know. Uh, turning pro successfully and making their way that we've been following for years or that we've seen since they were kids and, uh, you know, um, who have gone through the, the amateur scene and we've kind of followed for years and it's, it's exciting to, to watch these guys fight. And it's a pity we didn't get to watch it, watch it live because, uh, there was, a, we have a, like a Twitter group for, for Patreon people and everybody was kind of waiting and, and talking about the fight. And then all of a sudden it was over, but, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see him on bigger shows in the future where we can actually watch the fight live. Uh, but yeah, fair play to Lee. Um, you know, maybe people haven't heard of him that much. He doesn't really do many interviews or anything like that. I, I even remember PT did a, a Mac Mansion. Um, I think it was before the or before the Mendez, the 
uh, fight. PC was over there for Severe doing interviews, and I think Lee was kind of not sure if he wanted to do the interview, ended up doing it, and, you know, I haven't really seen much from him since in terms of media, so maybe he's kind of flying under the radar for, for people, but uh, I think he's a really good prospect, as I said. You know, these amateur these amateur ranks, you know, people might say, oh, it's only amateur, but, you know, in Ireland and, and the UK, there's some serious guys there, and by the time they turn pro, they're, ne- they're nearly, like, you know, ready for the big show. Or very close to it, and it, like you know, uh, hopefully Lee Lee can get some some regular fights, and you know he isn't isn't uh, waiting around too long because obviously he didn't take much damage, and uh, well, didn't seem to take much damage anyway in uh, in his pro debut, and it's exciting to see these guys come true, and hopefully we'll be talking about Lee and you know six or seven and zero oh, or six and six or seven and one in in a few years, and talking about him. You know, in Bellator and and in uh, in the UFC and things like that, because it's important for Irish MMA that, that these guys keep coming through. Obviously, their progress has been stunted by by obviously everything after Joe Carvalho and coronavirus and all that stuff. But uh, hopefully, things will will stay open. Well, obviously, <laughs> this this new COVID variant they're talking about. Hopefully, that doesn't you know shut everything down again. We, we've got to fucking keep our fingers crossed for that. But. Uh, it looks like the kind of Irish MMA scene is kind of coming alive again. It's great to see. Yeah, 100%. And on Lee, I was very, very impressed with this fight. You know, he was smooth on the feet for a guy who, you know, you think is a jiu-jitsu guy. And he was, you know, one of the, one of the main jiu-jitsu training partners for Connor and other people as well in, in, in uh, SPG. But the way he looked on the feet was smashing. Like, you he couldn't have looked smoother. He couldn't have looked better. And I'm very, very, very impressed with Lee Hammond. I've obviously seen him fight a couple of lines before. I think I've even seen him fight in person as an amateur. Uh, maybe one of the cage legacy fights. Um, but yeah, he, he looked a level above where he looked before as an amateur and, you know, getting his pro career started. It's very, very exciting. And, um, you know, we, uh, I was looking through, uh, we were talking about the, uh, the awards for the end of the year. And I think maybe this time next year, you know, our award for the emerging pro. If Lee Hammond has, has two or three more fights, he could be looking at that award this time next year, baby, if he keeps going on the same trajectory because he looks like a really, really, really good prospect coming through and definitely one uh, to keep uh, uh, to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, it's, as you mentioned, it's an interesting nine because Cage Legacy have another card coming up here pretty soon. Um, and um, I saw Harry got Max Lally on it, who was three and all. I was actually just listening to this. You said, come on, I'm five minutes away. Let's do the podcast. I was about halfway through that interview and he seems like a really, really, uh, a really, really good guy as well with his head and his shoulders, who has only fought a couple of weeks ago an amateur and he's fighting again here. And, you know, Sean Abandon is on that card as well against Kia Sullivan. So it's good to see you know, the next, uh, the next wave of, of women's MMA coming through. I think Dee Begley is on her way back as well, isn't she? And there's a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good Irish amateurs coming through again, thankfully, with thanks to Cage Legacy and others as well. And actually as well, maybe, maybe it's a quick talk on my week to talk about here. See, Graham Boylan said this week, um, that Cage Warriors are planning to come back to the motherland, which I can only assume and I would hope would be Ireland, uh, with multiple cards next year. What what do you think of that? Cage Warriors come back. Where do you think they will uh, will will go in Ireland? How many cards do you think they'll bring? Well, yeah, I think first of all, Graham Boyle in the motherland. I think his mother is from from Ireland, so yeah, I think he does mean Ireland there. Uh, 
you know, he, he, he always likes to tease a bit. He never likes to say things straight out. It could be John. Uh, you never know. Has <laughs> 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 he, he got citizenship anywhere? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I'm pretty sure it is Ireland. And it's, uh, you know, uh, I'd say three shows maybe we, we could probably hope for. And, you know, uh, obviously the Helix only, only holds 900 people, but it is kind of nostalgic. So, you know, they could do that or, if they if they put on a few of the Irish guys, they have like a few of the in in big fights, you know, uh, Paul Hughes, Joe McCoggan, people like that. They could easily sell the the three arena. So you know, uh, I'm sure Graham Borden's been looking at kind of over the years KSW, Bama, Bellator selling big numbers in in the three arena and the point and thinking we could we could do that with the right cards. So I'd probably. <laughs> If he if he just if they if they if they were just saying one show, I'd probably say it was nearly definitely going to be in the three arena. But with three shows, you know, maybe maybe it will be in the helix or or somewhere else. It, it's hard to know, but yeah, I think I think they should go for the three arena. I think the demand is there, and I think um, you know, they always have exciting cards, and they always kind of take the temperature of the room well and kind of know what the fans want uh, on the local scene. So yeah, I think. Uh, it wouldn't be too much of a risk for the three arena, and I think it would be uh, it would be a really big show, and I think they should do it. I uh, yeah, I I don't think they'll do the three arena. To be honest, uh, the, the, look, there's a lot of different factors, but I remember um, I remember talking to uh, to Jude Samuel at the first Bellator only show after. Remember there had been Bama slash Bellator, Bama Tour, and all that, and they were like selling like. Half the tickets or three quarters of the tickets, maybe. And remember, they had for a couple of the events, they had the top, um, the top tier card and off and things. And the the, the Bellator event we came into it was full. And I remember talking to Jude, and I goes, "Jesus, how how is it full compared to this? The last cards are pretty good as well." And he goes, "Well, this is Bellator now. This is this is different. This is not Baba taking charge of this." And I know I think K George so probably is a lot bigger yeah, in recognition but, and history. Uh, than, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But do K Warriors have that like financial clout to put a lot of advertising in it to get on buses, to get on radio stations, to get in newspapers, to put it all over the place? Do they ha- like? What's the biggest show cage wars have ever done? Did it have they done? They, they done the tree arena once before, but it wasn't. It wasn't a big seller, was it? I don't. I, I can't remember. It was actually the one card I wasn't at in the last few years. But um, could they do it? Like I think they probably could. They'd have to put a lot of risk into it, though. I think it'd pay off if they did it. But I don't know. I I don't. I don't think they will do it personally. To be honest, I think cage wars are are a more kind of you know, they will hold back a little bit rather than take a big risk. And I can't blame them for that. It's a risky business, MMA promotion. So I, I don't think... And another big factor as well, and probably the biggest factor of all, no SPG Ireland fighters. That's going to be a big thing because a lot of people, you know, they might see it in Kiefer Crosby's Instagram or James Gallagher or whatever, and they're, you know, they're fighting and their teammates are fighting and everything like that, or McGregor even. And when there's none of them on the card, which there won't be because, you know, we've talked about that obviously before, the whole... John Cavanaugh and Graham Boylan dispute who, whoever you think is right or wrong, it doesn't matter, they're not going to be on it anyway. Um, that's going to be a big issue. But, like, if you did put Reese, um, Paul Hughes, Joe McCulgan on the card, maybe got someone else, you know, get Reds or back over <laughs> for the money on your tired of the week. But, uh, yeah, you, I think they could do it. And I think it'll work out well. But, uh, I, I think it'd be a big risk. What I think they will do is, I think they will do one in Dublin, one in Belfast, one in Cork. 
I think the arena in Belfast is a little bit smaller than the three arena. And when you have all the northern fighters there, the, the top three guys I mentioned there are all northern fighters. Um, or Ulster fighters, I suppose is the, the better way to put it. Um, you, you could do better there. And I think with Cork, I know where they're going to put it. I, I don't know if they're going to go back to, uh, to Neptune because it's not the best arena in the world. Although the, the job they made with it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, so maybe, but I don't know. Maybe there's, uh, the Rochestown Park or something like, I know Cage Legacy did a car there. If, uh, maybe in UCC, I know there's one big room there. Uh, maybe you could put on an event there, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think Belfast definitely. If I was to say there'll only be one event, where will it be? I would say Belfast. Uh, but I don't know. We, we, you know, I mean, I could be talking complete shite as well, but I'm sure Graham Bylan will, will let us know. But it'd be great. I hope there's one in Cork. I hope there's one in Dublin. I hope there's one in Belfast. Uh, you can cover the two up the north, Graham, uh, uh, Dublin included as the one up the north, and I'll, I'll go out to Cork and I'll, I'll cover that one. So I'll be, uh, it will be all good. So yeah, it's great to see it though. Great to see KJ's yeah, come back and off. Exciting day. times for, for Irish MMA, as we kind of mentioned earlier. And mm-hmm. either way, if they, if they do do a free arena show, obviously maybe they could do it at like 30 euro ticket instead of 60 euro ticket or whatever. But even if they do do smaller shows, it's still great to have them, them coming back. We, we obviously got some great memories over the years of, of the New Year's shows, especially in the Helix and things like that. So, uh, it's important for Irish MMA. It's great to have Cage Legacy and stuff like that, but it's also, you know, uh, important to have people like uh, Cage Warriors still still putting on shows because it has been a while. Absolutely, yeah. Um, actually, myself and Harry have already done the Q&A, but I saw uh, Daniel Mimna has sent in a couple of layer questions, so let's answer them here. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll get into them. Nick Diaz seemingly wants to fight again. I've seen Matt Brown is out of his fight with COVID, so if he recovers well, is that a fight you would like to see? I think it makes sense for Boatman and when there are to make it uh, Nate versus Tony. Uh, um, I hate the bullshit they pull trying to make people look bad on their way out, trying to possibly ma- match him with uh, Shemayev. Um, yeah, I like Nate versus Tony. I like Nick versus Matt Brown especially. What, what do you think of those two fights? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it's a, the right kind of fight for Nick. Obviously, you know, he's just back after a seriously, seriously long layoff and he didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible either. So I think, you know, uh, kind of old guy kind of from his era nearly in, like Matt Brown uh, will be a good fight for him. And obviously there, there are two guys that are very tough and it, the style matchup will probably be exciting. So, yeah, I think that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, like I, I think Matt Brown versus Diaz is, you know, as you said, makes sense. But I think it's a fight that... Matt Brown would probably benefit from more than, than Nick Diaz, but it's hard to get Nick Diaz fights uh, in the UFC these days. Would he? Would he take a Matt uh, Brown? Nick Diaz be working the body against Matt Brown. Matt Brown's <laughs> known no as weak to the body. That's that's him versus Cerrone is the other fight as well that people are always talking about for a similar sort of reason. So yeah, and I, I, weak to the body as well. Yeah, I like Nate versus Tony. You know, Nate versus Tony makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think, but. You know, do you, will Nate go up, or will Tony go up to 170 pounds? I don't think Nate is coming down to 155 anymore. But uh, do you see letting Nate go, I think, would be a big mistake. Um, you know, because you have that McGregor fight, which is still there to be made, and that's going to be a, a 1.5 million pay-per-view buy. So you wouldn't, I wouldn't let that go if I was the UFC, and I would try to keep Nate around. But anyway, uh, and uh, his other question is... I, I think the ne- negotiations uh, with the Diaz brothers is always long and drawn out. That's and true. 
things said in the media and linked to the leaked to the media and all, but you know, I I guess that it will it will get signed in the end. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, next question. I know that Joe McCulligan has other stuff in life going on that he decided to vacate the belt and let uh Ben Lactar and Hardwick fight for it. But would an interim title not have justified uh not have been justified there considering they put an interim strap uh, online for the Hughes Sharia fight? They said they would give Joe a title shot on return, so that an interim would have made sense. Yeah, I, I tend to agree, yeah. I don't know, was there something else to it? Maybe Joe's going to the UFC or something, but I don't know. Yeah, they, they did say it was like a um, a life thing or whatever, so it was bizarre. When I when I saw that, I was like, what? Joe McCoggan, he ju- like, just won the belt a couple of months ago, even if he's not fighting until maybe the, the middle of next year or whatever. It's not like that. You could put an interim if you want to do that. It's not like that division has been held up massively or anything like that. You know, um... What's his name? Your man he fought before. Uh, Sardari was fighting pretty often, you know. So I don't know. It it, it was a it was a bizarre thing. Maybe, maybe there are reasons behind it. And if you know, if Joe has a good reason, uh, and he said it to Kejwar, then you know, no problem. And Kejwar is probably happy enough to do it and, and respect Joe, so no problem. But just from like an outside kind of um, fan perspective or media perspective, it di- did seem a little bit odd. But you know, if Joe comes back and he fights the winner of that, it'll be. Uh, you know, it'll be good as well, and maybe uh, <laughs> we do it in Ireland. Although it'll probably be harder to get him to do it in Ireland if you know. Obviously, one of them will be the champ, but Joe's coming back. So, what you uh, what do you think of that? Were, were you a bit flummoxed by that, like I was as well? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, maybe there is something something more going on than has been revealed publicly, as you kind of hinted at. But with Joe, maybe you know he's such a such a nice guy that if he is taking off a bit of time, he does. Um, maybe feel like oh, these these other guys deserve a, a shot at the the proper title instead of an interim title. But uh, having not spoke to him or anybody in his team, I, d- I don't have any other information, and you know I don't know if 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 there's anything going on behind the scenes. But maybe it is just Joe being a overly nice guy that he is. Indeed, indeed, it might be that. Uh, all right, everyone, we will uh, we will leave it at that. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, if you haven't signed up yet on Patreon, please do. Patreon.com forward slash Severe podcast. Price of a pint a month. It's absolutely for nothing. You'll get about, how many podcasts? 16, 17 podcasts for that price. That's pretty good. You know, you'll spend it on a cup of coffee in the morning going into work. You know, so you might as well get a bit of entertainment. Get hours and hours of entertainment out of it. So uh, you'll be helping us to keep the lights on too. And me needing a new computer as my one is currently absolutely shit to bed at the moment. So, uh, yeah. Do that, please. And also support Madscapped if you can, because they've been a great support to us. Use the promo code Severe May. Uh, 20% off, but I think they also have 25% off sales at the moment as well. So check them out. Cyber Monday, Black Friday sales also still going on. So please do check them out. And all that's left to do, Graham. Also, uh, well, before you finish, uh, Andy, Andy Stevenson spoke to Ian yes. Coughlin. Obviously, he was uh, had a spinal injury and got pro- uh, paralyzed uh, while training for, for an MMA fight. He's obviously a, a pro Irish MMA fighter, fought, fought on Bellator Dublin recently. And Obviously, it's a very hard time for him, and he's trying to uh, raise money to. Uh, he's trying to raise uh, seventy three thousand in total to um, get stem cell and HAL treatments in Germany, and to try and uh, get walking again. So uh, he set up a GoFundMe, and we have it on the on the website there. But if you just go to GoFundMe.com and type in um, "Let's get Ian walking again," and 
if if you if you can donate it to him, uh, that would obviously be great as well. And uh, there's an interview Andy Stevenson did with him, um, where a very good interview. Obviously, it's a very tough time for Ian, but I thought that he did. He was very composed and spoke very well in the interview. So uh, if you want to know a little bit more about the situation, it's all explained in that video and on that. The link to the GoFundMe is on the, the front page of Severe at the moment. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and let, let's do this as well, Graham. Anyone that signs up in the next week, so what have we today? Between between now and next Saturday, right? Anyone who signs up to Patreon, all that new money that comes in will be donated to the GoFundMe. So we will donate any money. So you sign up for Patreon, you get a month to Patreon, and you will get it donated as well. So we're going to donate the money from obviously that video that Andy did as well. Um, to uh to to the GoFundMe, so we we will do that. So you can kill two birds with the one stone there, and uh, we we shall do that. So best luck to Ian. Obviously, we, I mentioned as well. It's funny. I just mentioned on the Q and A earlier on. It feels like the two podcasts have kind of rolled into one. So I'm glad you uh you brought up here and mentioned it. And a great job by Andy Stevenson as well with that uh, interview. And and Ian was so brave to talk and the way he spoke was excellent so if you haven't seen that please uh watch that interview and uh and donate as well because it's uh it's a tough time you know really really tough and you know you couldn't i, I one of my friends listened because i had i had to pause that after about five minutes and, and started again uh later on because it was just it was hard you know it's very hard to listen to and ma- imagine what it's like for him to be living it so it's fucking yeah and so, it could happen to any anybody oh, yeah, you know we see really we see near near misses uh, all the time like even in the cage and in the gym obviously these things can can happen in in an instant so yeah, it's a scary thing and it's obviously a terrible time for for ian but if we if we can help uh you know give him some hope uh, and give him better treatment then obviously that's a that's a good thing and it's good to support uh support our own in the irish mma community a hundred percent yeah we see this every week these lads put their their lives on the line every week and we say it often but sometimes they actually do and when they do you know and when this happens we really really need to support them so please please do and uh we'll we'll leave it at that for this week thanks everyone for listening thanks everyone for the continued support Uh, and uh, we'll see you all next time